it's lovely to be with you again. And thanks for coming back. <laughs> I'm always worried, you know, doing a series. If uh, the folks say, well, we've had enough, and we'll not come back. But it's good to see you. And uh, I've been praying much that the Lord will give us designing hearts and help. Because it's a difficult subject. And it's complicated. But, you know, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit that leads us into all truth. Now, I just have a very short passage of scripture to read uh, from Matthew's Gospel. It's Matthew, Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 10. And uh, this evening we'll be thinking finally about the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom to Israel. And uh, this short passage, Matthew 10 and verse 5. And it says, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles. Don't go to the Gentiles and into the city of the Samaritans. Enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. And we'll be looking at that very interesting passage in a few moments. But let's just go back to the foundation stone. Do you remember when our first parents sinned against God and Satan took uh, rulership of planet Earth, God confronted his enemy. And do you remember there are four personalities in Genesis 3.15? There's the serpent, who's Satan. There's the woman, who's Israel. There's the seed of the serpent, who is Antichrist. And there's the seed of the woman, who is God's Messiah, the Lord Jesus. And uh, the Lord told us that the serpent would strike the heel of the seed of the woman, that the Messiah would die a violent death, but also God promised that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. He would crush ruler, Satan's rulership and restore God's kingdom to planet Earth. And you remember that Satan has a timeline. It started with the world's first dictator, the first rebel, Nimrod, and there was Nimrod, and then Babylon. And Babylon is going to be brought into being again. And there'll be Antichrist, and for a short while, Antichrist kingdom, and then the eternal state. And uh, Satan is trying, in his timeline, to stop God's program of redemption. However, God's program started with a man, Abraham with whom he made the covenants. And Abram, God chose a place, Jerusalem, where he's going to display his name. So it's Abraham, Jerusalem, Messiah Jesus, then Messiah's kingdom. And at the end of that kingdom reign, there will be the eternal state. And every vestige of rebellion and sin will be obliterated from God's kingdom and God's universe. And so Jerusalem is in the focus. And do you remember Daniel got the four plus one formula? Do you remember that? How's the computer doing? Is it functioning? <laughs> you remember there's four world empires. There's Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, and then God's kingdom, the smiting stone. So it's the four plus one uh, formula. And when the Lord Jesus came, when God's Messiah came, it was during the fourth world empire. That's the legs of iron. And uh, the Roman Empire was in charge when the Lord Jesus came the first time. Now just a wee bit of homework before we turn to this, the main subject. In Leviticus 23, we read of the seven feasts of Israel. Now let me say something and file this into your computer. <laughs> That passage of scripture is one of the most important passages in the whole of the Bible because it speaks about the seven feasts of Israel. 
And these are prophetic feasts. And they set out God's program of bringing in redemption and then his kingdom. We'll go through them quickly just now, but we'll see them again in a moment. First of all, there's the feast of Passover, 10th to the 14th Nisan on the Jewish calendar in the spring. And on the 14th, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the Passover lamb is slain. And you remember, this speaks of redemption. The Lord Jesus, when, when the Lord Jesus came, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Feast number one, Passover. That was on the Friday. Now on the Saturday, the Jewish Sabbath, they commenced for seven days the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And that speaks of our sanctification, God's perfections being made over to us. Leaven speaks of sin. Unleavened bread speaks of the perfection and holiness of the Lord Jesus. Seven speaks of completeness. And so the Feast of Unleavened Bread was for seven days. And then on the day after the Sabbath was the Feast of first fruits. So there's the Friday, Good Friday, the Sabbath, Saturday, was the commencement of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The day after the Sabbath was Sunday. And what day was that? That was Resurrection Day. And that is the Feast of First Fruits. And there's a sheaf of the first fruits and it's laid up in the temple. Speaks of resurrection. And then they had to count 50 days. And Pente is 50. And they had the Feast of Pentecost. And at the Feast of Pentecost, do you remember what happened? The Holy Spirit came. It was the inauguration of the new covenant. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit. Now the, those four feasts, the first four feasts, they provide redemption. And then we read in the book of Leviticus, chapter 23, after the feast of first fruits, the Israelites had to open their fields and allow the Gentiles to come into Israel and partake of the blessing of Israel. Now, this is included in the seven feasts of Israel. Now, following that, there's the three feasts in the, in the spring, one in the summer, Pentecost, and then there's three more in the autumn, the autumn feast. The first four speak of redemption. The last three feasts speak of the coming kingdom being established. The Feast of Trumpets, the regathering of Israel for God's blessing on them, back to the land, the Day of Atonement, Israel repents, the Feast of Tabernacles, the kingdom established. Do you remember when the disciples were taken up to the Mount of Transfiguration? The Lord Jesus took Peter, James and John and he said, I'm going to give you a preview of the kingdom. And they met Elijah. What happened to him? He was raptured. He's a raptured saint. Moses was there. He was a raised, resurrected saint. And the Lord Jesus was there, the glorified Lord. And do you remember what Peter said? He said, let us build three tabernacles. Let's have the Feast of Tabernacles because the kingdom's come. Now that's the seven feasts of Israel. Now, <clears throat> Satan knew there's an invisible war going on. And Satan knew from Daniel chapter 9 when Messiah was going to come. Do you remember? Gabriel visited Daniel. And uh, he says, Daniel, we love you up in heaven there. And uh, Daniel, start counting. Your people have to start counting when the commandment's given to restore the city of Jerusalem, 14th of March, 445 BC. And if you count 483 years, Daniel, Messiah will come, but he will be cut off. He'll die a violent death, and he'll have nothing. He'll not have the kingdom. He'll only have the cross. And so Satan knew exactly the time that the Lord Jesus was coming. And he got his people ready. Satan made preparations. And the first thing was, there had to be a ruling body in Israel who could accept 
on behalf of the nation, Messiah Jesus as the Messiah's king. Now remember, this is essential. The, the, the kingdom is going to be restored, not by the church, by Israel. And you see, Eric, why is that? Because God made that covenant with Abraham. And he said, through you, the nations are going to be blessed. All of the damage that's being caused through Satan and man's rebellion, it's going to be restored through Israel. And so there had to be in Israel a ruling body that was competent to accept Messiah Jesus as Israel's king. Now, <clears throat> at the time of David, there was a godly, godly priest by the name of Zadok. And God said, Zadok, I'm going to make a covenant with you. You've been a blessing to me, Zadok. And I'm going to guarantee that there's going to be men from your line that are going to serve me in the temple that would be built when the kingdom comes, the millennial temple. Zadok said, well, thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. And right up to 170 years before the Lord Jesus came, there were Zadokian priests in the temple. And Satan saw that. And there was a wicked, wicked man. He was a devilish man, Antiochus Epiphanes. And he tried to destroy Israel. He did an Adolf Hitler, tried to destroy them. And what he did, he made a very clever move. He sold the priesthood to men who could trace their genealogy back to Aaron, but not through Zadok. And they called themselves the Sadducees, which comes from the name Zadokian. But they weren't Zadokian priests. They were fake. And Satan knew exactly how they would react when the true Messiah came. They knew where they stood. And so he got them in place, a ruling body. But the Davidic throne had to be vacant because Satan knew that when Messiah came, he promised to King David. Do you remember the Davidic covenant? God said to David, David, there's going to come someone from your line and he's going to sit on your throne in Jerusalem and restore God's kingdom to planet Earth. And so what Satan did, he got probably one of the most wicked men that's ever walked this earth, Herod the Great. Now, he wasn't even a Jew. He came from Esau's line, the rejected son of Isaac. And Satan knew exactly how he would react when the Lord Jesus came. He knew he would try to kill him. And so the nation also, they had to be prepared <coughs> for the Messiah coming. <coughs> but you know, Israel couldn't have cared less. They were living under the Roman Empire and they were quite happy with this. And uh, they, weren't, they weren't prepared for their Messiah coming. And so remember this, the coming kingdom is contingent upon Israel accepting their Messiah because of the covenants that God made with Abraham and Abraham's people. <clears throat> and so that was Satan's plan. He had all his people lined up, waiting for the Messiah coming. But you know, God had his people prepared. And uh, one of them was John the Baptist. Isaiah spoke of John the Baptist. Isaiah 40 verse 3. He was a voice of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way of the Lord. Speaking to Israel. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for your God. <clears throat> so God sent John the Baptist to prepare Israel for the coming Messiah so they would accept him. <clears throat> and you know there were two godly old people in Jerusalem. Thank God for the old folks. I'm one of them. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there was an old boy, Simeon, waiting to see the Messiah. And he saw Jesus. He says, Lord, you can take me home now. I've seen your Messiah. And there was a godly old woman, Anna. And you know what she was waiting for? Listen, she was waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. <clears throat> Why? Because God said that his kingdom is going to operate from Jerusalem. And that's why Jerusalem is in the news. 
That's why Satan is trying to block every move that God is making. <clears throat> so John came. And in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, we read of John's message. <clears throat> he said, repent, this is to Israel, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The king's here. Israel, you must repent because the kingdom is going to be offered to you. And we say, wait a minute, John, what kingdom are you talking about? What's the kingdom that was promised in Daniel 2.44? Do you remember the four plus one formula? Four world empires and then the smiting stone, which became a nation, covered the earth. That's the kingdom I'm talking about, Daniel would say. And he said, the iron kingdom's here. And so the Lord could set up his kingdom now. And also the one promised in Daniel 7. Do you remember? We saw the Ancient of Days, God the Father. And the Son of Man came. And he was given the gift of the kingdom by the Father. And John would tell us, that's the kingdom I'm talking about. The kingdom that God's promised. And so there was the message of John. But there was the message of Jesus. Matthew 4, 17. It says, from that time, what time? Jesus had been tempted in the wilderness. And he had defeated Satan. Do you know, it was exactly the same temptations that Satan brought to our first parents. Exactly the same in principle. But the Lord Jesus defeated Satan. And it says, after these things, Jesus went to the people of Israel and said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Same message as John. And then we read that passage from Matthew's Gospel. And the Lord Jesus got his disciples together. And he said, now, now listen boys, <clears throat> this message of the kingdom, it's only to be preached to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This is a message for Israel, for our nation. The nation must repent, they must accept me as their Messiah, Saviour, and the kingdom will be established. And so you must only preach to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And you must tell them that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and I'm going to empower you to perform miracles because this is the evidence that the kingdom is on offer. And then do you remember, not long before the Lord Jesus went to the cross, he chose 70. And he sent them to every town and little village in Israel and they had to proclaim the kingdom of God is come nigh to you. Now, do you see what the message is? The king is here, and the kingdom of heaven is on offer to Israel. Now, there are four things that we have to understand about this preaching of the kingdom. It wasn't Paul's gospel. What was Paul's gospel? Paul called it his gospel. We read about it in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I received, this is what Paul is saying, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that's the Old Testament scriptures, and that he was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And then Paul says, and was seen of Peter. Why did he say that? Well, do you remember when the Lord Jesus took the disciples to, uh, uh, to a, a place um, Philippi, and uh, he said to them, I'm going to go to the cross. Now, this was after the Lord had been with the disciples for three years, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And the Lord Jesus at Caesarea Philippi said, I'm going to, I'm going to die a death on the cross. And do you remember what Peter said? He says, not so, Lord. You come here to bring in the kingdom. You're not going to the cross. And the Lord Jesus had to say, get behind me, Satan. Now, you see, what in the world has Peter been preaching for three years? If he hasn't been preaching that the Lord Jesus is going to die for lost sinners. 
It was the gospel, the good news of the coming kingdom. And so what they were preaching, it wasn't Paul's gospel. It was the news of the coming glorious kingdom. And it was ful fulfillment of that coming kingdom was contingent upon Israel repenting. But, but, entrance into that kingdom required new birth. Do you remember what the Lord Jesus said to Nicodemus? He knew all about the kingdom. Oh, he says, I've been watching you performing these miracles, Lord. And uh, I know that you've come from God. And the Lord Jesus looking at that religious godly man. And he said, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you'll never enter that kingdom. And he was shocked. He thought he had to go back into his mother's womb. No, no, no. You have to be born of the Holy Spirit. You have to be born above. And you see, in every dispensation... From Adam to the very last person that gets saved, it's by grace through faith. And the Lord Jesus said to Nicodemus, you have to look to Calvary. You have to look and live. And this message was authenticated by miracles. Now you remember what the Lord Jesus said to the disciples, go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and I'm going to empower you to perform miracles to authenticate the message of the kingdom. And uh, Isaiah, you know, when I'm reading through the Bible, I always look forward to coming to the prophecy of Isaiah because it tells us all about the coming kingdom. And uh, it tells us about the miracles and what it will be like when the Lord Jesus comes back to reign on David's throne in Jerusalem. And in Isaiah 30, it says that God will change the weather. There'll be no more tsunamis or storms or earthquakes. He's going to change the weather. Can't say hallelujah to that. And you remember in Luke chapter 8, when the Lord Jesus was on the Sea of Galilee, there was a ferocious storm and the boat was going to be swamped. And you remember the Lord Jesus said, peace be still. And so the, the Lord Jesus is authenticating the fact that when his kingdom is established, he will control the weather. He'll be the king. And then animal world will be changed. You know, when our first parents sinned, sinned animals changed. The lions were devouring lambs and so on. And Isaiah chapter 11 said that when the king comes, when the kingdom is established, the wolf with the lamb and the leopard will lie down together. And a little child will lead them. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all God's holy mountain. That's the kingdom, the smiting stone that became a great mountain. And you remember when the Lord Jesus was in Capernaum and Peter had had an argument about paying the poll tax, the temple tax, and he said that his Lord paid it, and I don't think he had. And the Lord Jesus said, take your fishing rod and go to Galilee, and you'll catch a fish, and there'll be a piece of money, and there'll be sufficient to pay the, the poll tax for you and me. And you see, this proves that the Lord Jesus has authority over animal life, the animal world. And then as physical disease and deformity, so much of it. We live in a suffering world. And Isaiah 35 says, The eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf and, deaf and stopped, the lame man shall leap as a young deer. And in Matthew 15 it says, All manner of diseases were healed. This is authentication that he's the king and he's able to operate the kingdom. And then there's death. And in Isaiah 25 it says that the death shroud will be lifted he will be swallowed, he will swallow up death in victory. And the Lord Jesus stood outside of Lazarus's tomb and he called out, Lazarus, come forth. And the Lord Jesus proved that he has power over death to raise the dead. And then there's hunger, Isaiah 40. It says, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom. 
in Luke chapter 9, we read of the Lord feeding the 5,000. And so, yes, we say, this is the coming king. He has the authority to rule. And in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 5, it says, these miracles is the power of the age to come. What is the coming age? The coming kingdom. And so thus, the offer of the kingdom was presented to Israel, the covenanted nation. And it was confirmed with signs of the kingdom age, as prophesied in the Old Testament. And so the disciples, the Lord Jesus, John the Baptist, were able to proclaim the kingdom of heaven is at hand because the king's here, the king's come. But what was Israel's response to the offer? The offer was refused. The preaching of the kingdom demanded a decision from Israel. And we read in Matthew 12, Matthew 6, they had to repent, they had to believe, they had to receive the Messiah, they had to confess him as Lord, and they had to follow him. And the Lord Jesus said, you cannot follow two masters. You're either going to follow me or you'll follow Satan. Make your choice. And Satan as a nation made their choice. And the refusal was foreseen by God and foretold in prophecy. Do you remember going back to Daniel chapter 9? Gabriel speaking to Daniel said, Daniel, start counting. After the command is given to restore the city of Jerusalem, count 483 years and Messiah will be cut off. And so it was foretold that Messiah would not receive the kingdom at his first coming. And the opposition commenced in the temple in Jerusalem. Now note that. You see, Satan knows that when the Lord Jesus comes back, his throne's going to be in the temple in the city of Jerusalem. And when the Lord Jesus started his ministry, in John chapter 2, he cleansed the temple. And he said, my house shall be a house of prayer. Now listen, for all nations. You see, the Lord Jesus promised that when he came back, the Abrahamic covenant would be fulfilled. What was the covenant? That God would bless all nations. And so God said that it would be from the temple in Jerusalem that the blessing would come. And so at our Lord's, the commencement of his ministry, he cleansed the temple. And also, at the close of his ministry, he cleansed the temple. And so the refusal was from the nation. And the friends and relatives tried to apprehend Jesus. In Mark 3.21, his relatives came, his brothers came. And they said, oh, he's beside himself. He's over-enthusiastic. And so they tried to apprehend him. And uh, the people in general refused the Lord Jesus. In Matthew eleven sixteen, it says, the Lord Jesus says, Whereunto will I liken this generation of Israelites? He says, I have piped unto them and haven't danced. I have mourned and they haven't lamented. I've tried everything and Israel hasn't responded. And then the opposition grew to a definite crisis from the religious leaders and the rulers of Israel. And we'll read it in Matthew 12, verse 23. And uh, he made a, a, a dumb man speak and a blind man see. And uh, the question was asked, is this the son of David? Now, do you remember, God made a covenant with King David that through his line, Messiah would come and his kingdom would be established. And so they asked the question, is this the son of David? And the Greek text would say, not likely. There was a kind of a pause, but the pause indicated that they didn't think it was the son of David. And the basis of the resurrection, uh, of the rejection was this. They said that he casts out demons by Beelzebub, the king of demons. This was a shocking and disastrous statement to make. They said, Jesus, we believe that you're doing all of these miracles 
and it's through the power of hell that you're doing it. And the Lord Jesus warned the rulers. He said, listen. He said, if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, there'll be no further forgiveness for you. It was a strong, strong warning to Israel. And then, at the end of, the ministry, of his ministry, the Lord, on the ninth Nisan, on the Jewish calendar, he took his royal entrance into the city of Jerusalem. We were thinking about it last Sunday, Palm Sunday. And the Lord Jesus entered Jerusalem riding an ass and the fall of an ass. And this had been predicted by Zechariah 500 years previously. Israel should have known this. They should have recognized the king. They had no excuse. And Zechariah 9.9 says, Behold, the king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the fall of an ass. They should have recognized that. They'd seen the miracles. And Jesus, on that very day, predicted by Daniel the prophet, by Gabriel, it was the expiry of that 483-year period. To the day, incredible. And the Lord Jesus knew that day, of that day. And Jesus, entering the city, wept over Jerusalem. And he said these words, If thou hadst known, even now, at least, in this thy day, <coughs> this was the day that was predicted by Daniel. He said, If you'd known, in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hidden from thine eyes. They had turned away from the Messiah. And Monday, the 10th of Nisan, that was when they chose the Passover lamb for the Passover celebration. The Lord Jesus cleansed the temple once again. And uh, <clears throat> on those days following, from the 10th Monday until the Friday, Passover day, the lamb had to be examined. Moses said they had to do that. And we read in the Gospels that the Sadducees came, Pharisees came, and asked the Lord Jesus all kinds of questions. And the Lord Jesus answered every one of them. And then on the Friday, the Lord Jesus was apprehended and taken before Pilate. That was Passover day. The day when the, the lamb was slain, three o'clock in the afternoon, and Pilate examined God's lamb. And do you remember what he said? I find no fault in this man. He was God's perfect lamb. And, uh, but the night before, the Lord Jesus disclosed something to the disciples. Shocked them. They were in the upper room. And in John 14 verse 1, he says, Now, I don't want your hearts to be troubled about this. He said, you believe in God the Father, believe also in me. And he said, in my Father's house are many mansions. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Now read through chapter 14, right on to chapter 16. And the disciples were shocked. Where are you going? We don't know where you're going. We are expecting you to establish the kingdom. Now it's interesting, we'll see this in a few moments. When the Lord Jesus made that statement, it was on the basis of the Jewish wedding procedure. And uh, a young man at home, his dad would say, here, it's time you were married, boy. Go and find yourself a wife. And he'd go to an adjoining village, fall in love, and uh, he would pay the... Uh, bridal price to her father and they'd call in the rabbi and they would have a marriage ceremony and they would be pronounced legally man and wife you say well that's very like our wedding procedure so it is till that point but the marriage was not consummated instead of the marriage being consummated the young man went back to his father's house 
prepared a place for his wife, might take him 12 months. And after he'd finished preparing the place, he would get his friends together and they would have, usually at midnight, a torchlight procession and he would go to the home of his wife and he would give a shout and he said, I've come for you, my wife. And he would take her back to the father's house and the marriage would be consummated and then he would bring his wife out after seven days and they would have the um, celebration, the marriage feast. That was the Jewish wedding procedure. Now the Lord Jesus, when he said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you, it was based on that. And the disciples were shocked. Lord, we are expecting the kingdom. But they watched in horror as the Lord Jesus was taken to the cross. And he died. He was given his life for us sinners. And that was on the 14th Nisan, Passover day. And you know, Moses said that the sacrifice had to be made. The lamb had to be slain on the 14th Nisan, the Friday. And Matthew was very, very careful to record his times. And it says that the Lord Jesus dismissed his spirit at three o'clock in the afternoon. And the veil of the temple was rent. The way was made open for lost sinners to come into a ho the presence of a holy God. And the Lord Jesus from the cross said, cried, it is finished. Redemption is complete. And you know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, he is our Passover. See, he's the fulfillment of that feast. And then the next feast started on the Saturday, the Sabbath. That was the following day. For seven days, they had to eat unleavened bread. The Passover speaks of justification. Unleavened bread speaks of sanctification. His holiness is imparted to us. Holiness imputed at the cross, but by unleavened bread, it's imparted to us. Romans 6 says, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Jesus, the bread of life, imparted. And then, <clears throat> on the day following the Sabbath, it was the Feast of first fruits. And the priest would take a sheaf, a sheaf, not a single grain, a sheaf, into the temple and would lay it up before the Lord. Now what happened after the Sabbath? The Lord Jesus was raised from the dead. But Matthew again is very, very careful to record for us in Matthew 27 that in order for complete fulfillment of that prophetic feast, there were others raised up from the dead. Old Testament saints. And they went into Jerusalem. And they made themselves known to the people. They were resurrected saints. And you say, well Eric, what happened to them? Matthew doesn't tell us. They certainly didn't die again. But you know, the prophetic feast tells us what happened to them. It was laid, the sheaf, the sheaf was laid up in God's house before God. And where is the Lord Jesus now? He's the right hand of the Father. Where is that sheaf? It's in heaven with the Lord Jesus. And you know what the Lord is saying to, this, to Satan? And all of the hosts of wickedness. Listen, this is just the first fruits. There's a mighty harvest coming of resurrected people. And thank God... We'll be there. We'll be amongst them. And the next feast was the feast of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem until the day of Pentecost was fully come. <clears throat> and so they were in the uh, Jerusalem and they waited the 50 days and the Holy Spirit came. Now those four feasts of Israel, the first four feasts, they were fulfilled at the exact time, at the exact hour, according to the scriptures. 
And those four feasts we partake in because those four feasts provide our full salvation. Christ died, his life given, Pentecost, Holy Spirit has come, and we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. <clears throat> but you know, there was a burning question <clears throat> for the disciples after the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead. <clears throat> and in Acts 1, verse 26, he said, Are you at this time, they said to the, the Lord Jesus, are you at this time <clears throat> going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, did you notice the question? It's through Israel that the kingdom is going to be restored. And so they said, well, Lord, we've witnessed your death. You've provided redemption. We've witnessed the resurrection. We're waiting for Pentecost. So now at this time, is the kingdom going to be restored? And the Lord Jesus said, in effect, to the disciples, well, gentlemen, just mind your own business. He said, the Father has the times and the seasons in his hands. Now, the times is the times of the Gentiles. Jerusalem trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. The Romans are still in charge of the city, gentlemen. God has that in hand. But the seasons, the feasts, there are three more feasts to come that speak of the coming kingdom. And so Jesus said to the disciples, God the Father's got it all in his hands. It's all wrapped up. So you just watch how it's all going to unfold. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, Peter stood up. They're empowered with the Holy Spirit. And he said, therefore, let all Israel know and be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, do you hear what he's saying to Israel? He says, listen, you crucified your Messiah, but God has made him Lord, King, and made him Messiah. And he said to them in Acts 3, listen, you Israel have to repent. And God will send, read it carefully. He says, God the Father will send Jesus so that the times of refreshing will come because you, Israel, are heirs of the covenants that God made with our fathers. So what Peter is proclaiming after Pentecost, that if Israel repents, the Holy Spirit's come. And if you repent, Israel... God will send the times of refreshing. The kingdom will come. And uh, the three feasts that are coming, the feasts of regathering trumpets, the gathering of Israel, the, the um, day of atonement, Israel repents, and the feast of tabernacles, the kingdom established. <clears throat> but it says that there were many that did believe. And in Acts 4.32, it says, all the believers, the Jews, were of one heart, and they claimed none of their possessions, but they brought it to the disciples. They'd come from, Barnabas had come from Cyprus. Some of them had come from what is now Turkey. And instead of going back home after the Feast of Pentecost and waiting for the autumn feasts and coming back to Jerusalem, they started doing bed and breakfast in Jerusalem. And we have to ask, why were they doing that? They were selling all of their possessions and they were doing bed and breakfast in Jerusalem and not going home. I remember the first time I went to the Keswick Convention, I, I, I thought the Lord was coming back that week. It was wonderful. And I remember the very last night, the communion service, and we sang that great song, that hymn in closing, Oh Lord Jesus, how long, how long? And we shout the glad song, Christ returneth. Hallelujah. Amen. I thought we're all going up. <laughs> and I remember going back to my digs Friday night. And I thought, well, tomorrow I'll be going back home. But worse than that, I'm going to work on Monday. And I thought, you know, this is ridiculous. We've been talking about the Lord coming back at any moment. We should carry on with the convention. We're having a wonderful time. 
early morning prayer meetings, Bible studies. Just let's stay at Keswick. We'll sell up. Now, if we'd done that, people would have been bankrupt in a few weeks. It would have been foolish. And yet this is what the Israelites were doing. And so we have to ask the question, why were they doing that? Well, they had seen the first four feasts fulfilled at the exact time and the exact way predicted. It was absolutely fulfilled. Redemption was provided. And so they had a, a right to believe that the autumn feasts would be fulfilled literally in exactly the same way. The regathering of Israel, Israel repenting, and the kingdom coming, the Feast of Tabernacles. And so they waited in Jerusalem. Ah, oh, but wait. Israel had to repent. And there was a young man. Now, this is after Pentecost, but before the autumn. <clears throat> and he was dragged up before the Sanhedrin. And he stood where his Lord and Master had stood just a few weeks previously. And my, I tell you, he roasted the ears of those Sadducees. And he said, you people, he says, you've always resisted the Holy Spirit. And he says, when the king of glory came, he says, you murdered him. And they didn't want to hear that. And they pulled him out of the city and they started to stone him. And uh, Stephen said a very, very significant thing. He said, I see heaven opened and the Lord is stand, standing at the right hand of the Father. He was ready to come. But Israel refused the offer. And that was Israel's answer to the offer of the kingdom after Pentecost. And so God said, all right, Israel, I'm going to set you aside temporarily. And you remember when we turn back to Leviticus 23, <clears throat> uh, it says that after the Feast of Pentecost, the gates will be opened of the feats, fields of Israel and the Gentiles will partake of Israel's blessing. And that's exactly what happened. And you know, the Lord Jesus, after setting Israel aside, said, I'm going to choose my bride. Oh, do you remember in the upper room? That's what the Lord Jesus said. He said, I'm going away and I'm going to come back for my bride. And God re uh, related to the Apostle Paul more information about this. And he said, those that sleep in Jesus, the Lord will bring with him. And he said, the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout. Do you remember? That's what the bridegroom does for his bride. The Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. <clears throat> and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds in the sky to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And you say, well, what's going to happen after that? Well, do you know, I don't know if you remember this, but way back we spoke about the day of the Lord. Do you remember that? Do you remember there's a seven-year night period of judgment? And then there's the thousand years light period of the reign of Christ. And uh, the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians 4, he told the saints about the rapture. And he tells us about the rapture. And so <clears throat> I can hear some of them saying, what about the day of the Lord? And so he goes on to explain this in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 1. But of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I tell you. Oh, that's what the Lord Jesus said to the disciples. The times of the Gentiles the seasons, the feasts of Israel. I don't need to tell you about that, Paul says. I hope you've read the Old Testament and you know all about it. And then Paul says, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. So you say, well, <clears throat> Paul, are we going to go through the night period? Paul says, listen for the personal pronouns. For when they shall say, peace and safety, 
sudden destruction cometh upon them, and they shall not escape. That's not us, that's they and them. And then he turns to us. Ye are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Now, isn't that wonderful? When the day of the Lord comes, and I'll tell you, Satan's man's going to be there. It's going to rule the planet. It's going to be terrible. We'll be with the Lord for seven days. You'll, seven years, we'll get your reward. And uh, God will start dealing with Israel again. There will be Jewish witnesses, 144,000 of them. And you know what they'll be proclaiming? The gospel of the kingdom. Jesus said that. He says, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed to all nations. Then the end will come. The end of what? The end of this world as we know it. Jesus will come back and set up his kingdom. And so we're going to be with the Lord. And then Revelation 19. Oh, what a wonderful chapter. The heaven's going to be opened again. And Jesus is coming. And guess what? We are coming with him. And you know where he's coming back to? Coming back to Jerusalem. There's going to be a wonderful temple there. Ezekiel tells us all about it. Jesus' throne is going to be in that temple. And do you know what? We are going to be reigning with the Lord Jesus throughout those thousand years. And then in the eternal state. You know, there's, there's one thing that is wonderful that we read in God's word. It talks about the Lord Jesus, that he'll be the king of the nations, and he'll be king of Israel. But he's never described as the king of the church. Do you know why? Because we are the bride of Christ, and we will share his throne. Now, just one thing in closing. When the Lord Jesus, in John 21, was um, reinstating Peter, and he says, Peter, I'm sorry to tell you this, you're going to die a violent death. And young John was there. He says, well, what's going to happen to John? And the Lord Jesus said to Peter, if I will that he tarry till I come back, it's nothing to do with you. You're going to die a violent death. Violent death. And John says that there was a rumor went around about the disciples that John was going to be around when the Lord Jesus came back for his church. And John had to scotch that rumor. He said, Jesus did not say that. He said there was only the possibility of it. And so John knew that Peter had to die. And John was in Ephesus when he heard of Peter's murder. And John would know after that moment of Peter's death, Jesus could come at any moment. His coming is imminent. Now, isn't that wonderful? <laughs> you know, there's Brexit and all the rest carry on. Things are getting worse by the hour. But listen, Jesus is coming. And you know, we'll have to keep looking up because soon we're going to see his lovely face. Well, thank you. Thank you for all of your patience. You've been wonderful students and I pray that the Lord will bless you. <coughs>